Hey guys, and welcome to the Movement Docs Podcast. I'm Jake. And I'm Mike. And we're just two guys who want to help students and clinicians grow in the field of rehab. Welcome to the show. It's live. All right. Hey guys, welcome to episode 24 of the Movement Docs podcast featuring Dr. Steph Allen. Uh, Steph is just a bit of a nomad who did travel physical therapy, found her way into the strength and conditioning world, and landed in Boston. Now she's trying to push the profession forward and work towards updating our boards and the curriculum for physical therapy. At the same time, she's focused on learning more about strength and conditioning training in and outside of physical therapy, unweaving the tangled mess that is ACL injury, and advocating for women within PT and the clinical world as well. Steph, we're excited to have you on. Thanks for being here. That was a beautiful intro. Thank you very much. (laughs) It's because he's from Ithaca. That's why. Yeah. I'm so excited. Go Bombers. We just just hung around a lot of TBR majors. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Yeah, just keep keep doing your your little Ithaca inside jokes. I'm laughing on the inside over here. (laughs) You'll learn them eventually. It's all good. That's right. We got we to get you up there at some point, Jake. I think you'll enjoy it. If I start using the term wicked pissa, will that make you feel more at home? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, just don't go in the winter. That's all. Do I also have to start like making like a very hard A sound, like Harvard and Yod and like Ka? <laughs> Is that? Yeah, then maybe we'll be a little less sick again. Oh well, I mean you're in Boston right now, so I, I don't I don't know. Yeah, just just trying to hit all the bases. Um, <laughs> yeah, Mike. So I didn't oh, read the document. Funny. What are we talking about today? I'm trying to scour <laughs> through this briefly. Well, we're going to be talking about a lot of awesome things. So we're going to get into a little bit of Steph's background, uh, kind of her motivations for pursuing physical therapy and all that. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about pain science. Uh, maybe she can regale us with some stories on uh, different patients that she'd work with and, and kind of ways to troubleshoot with that. And we'll talk a little bit about ACL injuries as well. And of course, as is custom on our show, we tend to go down very many rabbit, rabbit holes. So we might be doing that as well, just kind of going with the flow with the show. So, <laughs> nice. Uh, like like we said, the Google Doc is not uh, by any means what's going to actually happen. So <laughs> I just want to apologize in advance for any of our listeners out there as well as Steph. Um, cause my brain just doesn't really work the same way that a lot of other people's brains works. So no, it makes for, I think it would make for a lovely podcast. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Steph, uh, for our, our listeners out there who, who are maybe not familiar with you, can you give us a little bit of background about yourself? Absolutely. Um, I grew up in New Jersey, um, Please don't judge me. (laughs) I was actually a gymnast for most of my life. Um, It just sort of became a little bit too much when they asked you to be on teams, and I was doing gymnastics like five days a week, and I ended up switching over to basketball full-time. And then tore my ACL in high school and kind of fell in in love with PT from there, um, which I know is kind kind of like, you know, most people's, most PT stories. Oh, I got hurt, and then I went to PT, and I kind of liked it and uh, whatnot. But I think from the time I was little, I always wanted to be some sort of doctor. I wanted to be like a vet and 
for some godforsaken reason, I wanted to be an obstetrician for a little while. Um, I wanted to be a heart surgeon for a year or two, and then I decided that, um, you know, I also didn't want to go to school for, like, most of my life. Um, so, and, and then I started to kind of get the, the idea that PTs sort of have a little bit more time with their patients, and that kind of was the biggest draw for me before I even, you know, obviously I didn't know what I know now, and that's the norm, but uh, that's what I think kind of kept me fixated on PT. Um, yeah, and then I went to the, the glory land of Ithaca. Um, <laughs> I actually, yes, I actually stayed, I, I, after, you know, they had the six-year DPT program, and then I was like, yeah, I'm never, I'm, especially after taking the boards, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm never going back to school. It's just, it's just, just too much. Um, and then I stayed the next year and did a residency in Ithaca. Uh, so made a total liar of myself. Um, and took the OCS <laughs> exam uh, the next year and said the same exact thing. Um, but no, I still haven't gone back to school. So that was, that was it. But um, yeah, I mean, I think at this point right now, we're, I'm having a lot of kind of interesting discussions with people who have and have not done residencies who are thinking of doing it or sort of against it or for it. Um, and I think that might be, you know, not necessarily today, but definitely I think you might see some of that on, on social media too, because uh, getting a lot of questions about that, like, was it worth it? You know, um, so having yeah. been on the other side, it's, it's kind of a, another cool topic, but we don't necessarily have to go down that rabbit hole. So yeah, then I, I did travel PT for a couple of years, um, decided that wasn't really for me. Um, I knew Zachary from school and mm. came to visit him and Matt a couple times and just kind of like fell in love with the clinic. Um, you, for for everyone out there, there the, I, I did not move here for Zach. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and, and he will tell you the same thing. Um, that it just kind of, that was totally unplanned. Um, but it was more so the clinic that we work in now and the potential for its growth and how we work together and, you know, as a team and, and a family is just kind of, it's not anything that I was able to find anywhere else. So that was what sucked me here. And, uh, from Jersey to, to Ithaca to Boston, here I am. Nice. I think that's cool. Um, not necessarily, I mean, that's like a super awesome perk that you guys are both in the same place. Um, and you get to go, we kind of like work together and everything too. Um, it's just mm -hmm. neat to see, just to see like, you know, like how that started, you know, like you're in New Jersey and you're able to kind of like put every, all the stuff that you wanted to do, um, and all that energy towards something. And now you can be a part of something that you're really passionate and you, and you love. I think that's awesome. Yeah. I think that, um, both a, a little, some parts of the residency, but also uh, I think bigger part, um, traveling ended up making me sure of a lot of things I didn't want, um, in PT, which, you know, it's not really what you, what you seek out first when you do it. You're not like, oh, let me see how many things I don't want to experience. Um, but it did, and then, and don't get me wrong, it was, it was phenomenal in a lot of ways, but I think towards the end, I was really like, you know, I don't regret it for that reason in the sense that I, it made me so confident in what I do want and what I was looking for. Um, that I think that that's how I was so sure about ending up here. Cool. Well, what's uh, something just kind of interesting to you? So, like, what's an unusual habit or absurd thing that you love? <laughs> um, I actually asked for Zach's input on this because um, <laughs> I have a couple. But 
I did agree that. So I have this thing with numbers. Um, one, I, I count a lot. Like even when I'm taking steps, sometimes I'll just find myself like I'm counting my steps or I'm like, I don't know. It's very weird. But at the same time, when I, when I set my alarm in the morning or if I like put something in the microwave, I, I don't like to use like whole rounded numbers. So by that, I mean like, I won't put something in the microwave for a minute. I'll do like a minute and three seconds. Or when I set my alarm, if I want to get up at 6 a.m., I'll do like 5.58 or like 6.01. Um, I, I, I can't answer you why. <laughs> um, I just kind of have always done that. Um, and it was it's definitely something that um, he makes fun of me for on a regular basis. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, if at this point people want to stop listening because they're like, who the F is this weirdo? I totally understand. But I, I mean, that's, you know, in most other aspects, I'm pretty normal. All right. All right. All right. So going <laughs> off that, when someone turns the TV volume up, are you like an even number person, an odd number person? What's the deal? Um, I don't like numbers that have six in them. Hmm. But for volume... That's a very interesting question because I do sometimes actually take a look at the number that they land on um, <laughs> and haven't ever thought about that. So I'm glad that you asked me. Because um, I've lived with people that like if I turn the volume up to like 13, they'd be like, dude, you got to turn it either like down one or up one. Yeah. Like, why? It's... No, I'm not, a, I'm not adamant about it, but I definitely I think would prefer the odd numbers. But hmm. see, then me knowing that like some people respond to that. <laughs> I will like purposely choose like prime numbers. No, no, no. I go, I go for prime numbers uh, because I then see. it just completely messes with their like yeah. ability to cope with that. Yeah. Um, then it's just a mind blow. That that's very funny. I think so that's like funny. Seven, five, <laughs> yeah. Three, you know, thirteen, seventeen. Yeah, because then you can argue that it's not necessarily odd or even. I see you. <laughs> um yeah so i think that's probably one of the weirdest things i love it okay and you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier in the bio and everything too when you were kind of explaining your background but um you know like why pt in general like what was what was your big like motivation and draw for it i know you said you looked at a lot of other health professions too but like what really drew you into pt um i think even even more so now, but um, I got the I kind of caught on in the beginning after going through it that and you just compare going to the PT versus going to your primary care or or whatever. So even when you're young, you kind of you can catch on to these things. And I always like the biggest difference for me was that I would sit in the waiting room forever at the doctor's office and then see the nurse and then maybe the PA and then maybe if you're like sick enough or <laughs> if you have enough questions, like the doctor will come in for like five minutes. Um, and then when I started going to PT, I was like, even if there's one or two other people here at the same time, like I'm on this guy's watch and he's interacting with me and, and giving me feedback and, and such for like the whole 45 minutes to an hour that I'm here. And it was like fun, you know, he used to, he used to give me, I used to go in after school and he'd give me the remote and I would, you know, put on like whatever I wanted. He's like, yeah, usually, but when you get in here, it's, there's a bunch of old people in here before you and we're watching like Food Network or CNN. Um, 
And it was just, I think that in the, even though it was semi-superficial of a reason at the time, I just, I was a lot more drawn to the fact that I knew I never wanted to be at a desk and that this would let me hang out with people and like talk to people and get to know them a little bit um, while still like, hey, bonus of maybe helping them out or making them feel better, um, which was the other kind of medical side of, of um, what I always wanted to do as well. So in the, in the simplest form, I think that's what it was. And then as I started going through school and being on clinical and realizing like, you do really, really get to know these people. You're almost, you guys know this too. Sometimes you're, you end up being their psychologist as well a little bit some days. Um, and I don't know, I, I'm better at it some days than others, but I really enjoy that aspect, you know, following up with people and saying, Hey, how was your daughter's soccer game? Or how did so-and-so do, or, you know, how was the dance recital? Or I don't know what it is, but those kinds of things, like have, have, seeing people even just light up because you remember to ask them those things. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that doctors have the time to do that the way that either, whether it's how they're reimbursed in our country or just the way the, the medical model is. And so I think we're a little bit unique um, in the sense that we have that luxury. We, most places, even the higher volume clinics, um, which we can talk about that another time too. But, um, <laughs> but even in those settings, you technically have at minimum 15 or 20 minutes one on one with someone. And that's, yeah. I don't know. I feel like that's such a prized possession these days. And, and that I think was the biggest thing for me because I'm a people person. So, yeah. And I think you just said like a lot of really cool things that kind of just gave me a bunch of warm and fuzzies. Um, and so <laughs> oh, we, we, really, yeah. <laughs> we really needed to have like some videos at some point or move into like video stuff because like I have the biggest grins on my face all the time and then nobody can ever see it because we're doing audio. But, um, well, I'm also very thankful right now that there's no video because I literally just got out of the shower and um, oh. I'm a mess. But anyway. Don't worry, I have clothes on. It's cool. I just need my clothes all over the place. As J. Cole once said, as J. Cole once said, why mess with what God already put his paintbrush on? (laughs) That's very sweet. I appreciate that. See, I know when Mike's smiling because I can, like, feel it in the air. I I, I think I can tell by the giggle. My spider sense? Like, I just know. Well, I'm very, I'm very glad to so, so soon in the podcast give you guys warm and fuzzies. It's an yeah. honor. It's awesome. <laughs> have it. So thank you for that. <laughs> but um, it just, it just made me think, you know, like um, a lot of the things that you had just mentioned, you know, like to be PT is almost inherently uh, being human, right? We kind of crave that connection uh, with other mm-hmm. people and like, and building that, uh, that kind of like rapport and that alliance with each other um, and yeah. kind of help each other out, you know, and um, you know, talking about you having your injury, working with the PT, you know, being so grateful that you had the opportunity to spend like 45 minutes to an hour with this person, um, dedicating that time, you know, and it's kind of cool that you can, you're able to reciprocate now and you can kind of give back to other patients that might need that. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's just, it's all warm and fuzzy over here. It's crazy. (laughs) I feel like the more and more, like, cause I've only been doing, I've only been a real live PT for like four months now. And the more and more that I do it, the more I realize that it's really not as much physical in the physical therapist thing as much as it is therapist in the term physical yeah. therapist. Because you're, but you're, but you're ahead of the game for notice, like noticing that so early out. Like that's that's not, and that's where I feel like, and I'm hoping that we're all part of of making a shift because it's 
I, we don't want to discount all these things that, that we learn in school. I mean, that's not the point, but you know, you, you need those untangible things because you're working with humans. You're not working with, you know, an x-ray in front of you or, um, and, the, and that's, it seems so like duh to us, but I think that it's really not the norm still. And so that's where I think we come in. It's crazy too. Cause I, I hear yeah, so I many like horror stories or just bad experiences that people have had with previous clinics where it's just like they come mm-hmm. in, somebody like pokes around on them a little bit, and then it's like, here, here's a worksheet. Go do these five exercises in the corner, and we'll talk to you yeah. in like 20 minutes. And they don't feel like they have that connection with anybody. They don't feel like anybody's working with them. Or if they're in a clinic that utilizes like AIDS or PTAs, they feel like you know they've only seen their therapist like one time and have no interaction with them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's... It's interesting what happens out there. I um, actually might, I'll probably touch on this later, um, talk about some of those end questions, but the first time I was ever exposed to the, the very wrong end of the spectrum on this was actually my first travel assignment, and I almost was like, um, maybe I'm just going to stop doing this right now. Um, gotcha. But yeah, no, I'll I'll give you some details about that later. This that's would be way off topic, but I'll I just I just wrote it down there, so I'll, we'll go back to it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Well, cool. So we've we've touched on a lot of things already, which has been pretty awesome. Uh, we know that you studied at Ithaca College, so go Bombers. Um, uh-huh. So were you were you um, around at the time when they were trying to change the? Or they were trying to figure out the mascot for a while. And, <laughs> yes, and they were going it was... back and forth. Such a huge fail. So I think the closest thing they got was the, um, the like freaking river monster or something. Yeah, I don't I know. It was, right. it was terrible. I, I was like, and then I think they ended up just literally saying it's the athletics, and that was yep. so anticlimactic. I was like, come on, guys, just leave, just let us be the bombers. Nobody's nobody's hurt by this. Yeah, it was. It wasn't but, even um, a stone that needed to be unturned. It was just like yeah. we're the bombers. This is good. And then all of a sudden, they're like, "No, we got to be like the flying squirrels, or we got to be like the the Loch Ness oh, monster." The flying squirrel. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> um, so yes, I was there, and I chose not to partake in that um, voting process. I just decided that I was always going to be a bomber. I don't care what anyone says. Yep. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> Uh, but what what was your experience like, you know, at Ithaca College when you were studying there? Like, what did you what did you learn about yourself, or, or how did you grow? Um, yeah, well, I mean, you learned crap ton about yourself in college. Um, <laughs> better and better and worse. But uh, I think that the biggest thing for me, and I actually talked to Zach about this a lot, because um, even after the fact, uh, it was something I still had to work on. I didn't feel when we got into some of the kind of higher level you know, uh, physiology type stuff and stuff that wasn't all the memorization, I kind of realized, like, I don't, I think I need to change how I study a little bit because I wasn't really, I didn't feel as I was absorbing things very well or understanding them super well. So I actually, after a little mini freak out, um, I think it was during neuro something neuro we all everyone as soon as they hear neuro is like oh yeah Gross. I remember that semester um and I did I spent I spent like a couple hours one day 
you know, semi-freaking out, but also wrote down some, some different ways to study. And I, it, I'm hoping this makes some people feel better because this was, you know, three quarters of my way through PT school before I actually realized there was a shift that needed to be made and actually learned that I was way more of a visual and like kinesthetic type learner than I, I kept trying to read things and read things. And I was like, is my reading comprehension terrible or I just, and I was like, no, this might not be a bad thing. It just means you don't absorb well by reading. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that the, the nerdy, the nerdy part of this, like what I learned about myself was really, I need to make a big shift in studying. And I think that I have told Zach more than once I'm, I'm jealous of him because I think from the bat he had a really good method of, you know, not memorizing things, figuring out ways to remember them by asking questions and maybe funny mnemonics and, you know, tying it into things that already had meaning for him. And he had a, a good group of kids that did the same. So it was late for me, but I think that simply put, I, I first learned I need to change how I study and to learn better. Um, and then, uh, that, well, yeah, I mean, that's probably the, the biggest thing applicable to what I do now. Um, and that I really just, am not meant to live in cold climates, but (laughs) apparently I I keep ignoring that because I live in Boston. So, um, very funny part on the, on the less serious side. Um, I was going to go to University of South Carolina, like literally a week or two before I got the acceptance letter from Ithaca. I almost was almost positive I was going to go there and do pre med and be and be a gamecock because my sister went to Virginia Tech and, and was <laughs> was a hokey and like you know I went one time to a football game. I was like, this is great. Like I want, <laughs> I want to be somewhere where where people are. You know, the football's like religion. No, you, anybody who plays a sport doesn't have to actually go to class. They get like the tests beforehand, um, and it's just like a totally different culture. And not only did I not go south and big, but I went north and small. So <laughs> none of which I regret. It's just really, it's one of those things that I can say now that I'm almost 29. Like, that's funny how life goes. Or funny that you know, it's it makes it dates me a little bit, but it's actually true when your parents say that crap. <laughs> well, it's it's just neat to to see too, you know, like what you think you you know or what you want to do um, might end up not being that direction at all, you know. And that's just kind of like no, a big we mystery. Were, yeah, we were okay. just telling. Um, uh, we have kids coming in shadow all the time, which also I think is super cool. And and I pinch myself still some days that there's all these students that, and not even just students. Other last week, another. Um, a young guy who's a, a trainer in the area wanted to come just shadow us for an hour. And it's just unreal that we've sort of created this reputation and sort of status in our area, the type of clinic that we are. And I was telling one of the students that they, they all want to know, you know, residency versus not residency. Do I, do I even go to PT school? You know, some of these are kids are exercise science or whatever. And, um, you know, I was telling this one kid that it doesn't necessarily, I don't want to tell you that it doesn't matter or you don't have to know because I know that's not the answer you're looking for and some direction would be helpful. And yes, it's good to have some direction, but I can also tell you that you don't have to have it all figured out. 
Mm. And that it might actually be a good thing to kind of, you know, just reach out and see as many different things as you can during the process because it, I can confidently say I was 27 or 28 before I was 100% sure of where I wanted to be, what I wanted to do, and I'm still figuring out within what I want to do, where I want to find my voice and presence. So I'm, I'm facing 30 here, bud. And he was like <laughs> laughing at me. I just wanted to make him feel better. You know, this kid was clearly anxious. And, um, and it is really true. It was kind of funny having the words come out of my mouth. Cause it made me even think like, yeah, you know, you don't really have to necessarily have it figured out when you're 22, 23, 24 or whatever, because if you don't, then it just probably means that you're, your kind of aha moment or your passion just you haven't stumbled across it yet hmm. uh, yeah so yeah wow i went way off track i'm so sorry no, no, you're good. <laughs> i just looked back at the google doc for a second because my computer went black and i was like whoa steph <laughs> okay I'm that's, sorry. that's that's what we, we love doing that though this it's it's all about a conversation so wherever it goes is where it goes you know we just have this stuff up there for for you know and there's so many like little beautiful like nuggets of knowledge that you just dropped in that conversation um one study habits in grad school because yeah people people ask me like how did you study because mike and i both did like this double major thing where we're working on like a dbt and an msat Mm -hmm. at the same time and um and then I also did, I just finished my performing arts medicine specialization, which is like another 18 credits. So I, I think I ended up taking 160 Damn. credits of grad school in three and a half years, maybe a little yeah. over four. It's, yeah, you feel like you're not a real person during that time, don't you? Oh, not at all. And like, <laughs> you're just kind of like, literally, you have like eight arms, <laughs> just like spreading yourself so thin. And so people like I talk to people and they're like, oh, my God, you're so smart. You must have amazing study habits. And it's like, no, if you ever went to any one of my group (laughs) sessions where I studied, shout out to Cal Tracy, it would be picture (laughs) Mike. You can imagine those little study rooms at HLSB. Mm -hmm. If you can imagine me laying underneath the table while other people are studying on top of the table and just like randomly, (laughs) randomly answering questions as they like talk back and forth or like me randomly singing and passing out and sleeping at different times. That's kind of what studying was for me. There was no, well, it's osmosis, right? You're just going to absorb it when they speak. You're fine. Yeah. Well, I'm a, I came to found that I was a very uh, auditory learner. And so I could, well, I could not study on my own. Like I would just cram oh, and either. look at PowerPoints, but I would just like literally just like lay there under a table and just listen to people talk and sleep and then wake up and listen to people talk. But know? it is crazy how different everyone is, like, absorbing things. I I can sometimes, even if it's not something I'm studying, if I'm reading a novel, like, I would like to try and read before bed. It's one of my kind of 2018 habits. And, you know, as long as I get past five or ten minutes before passing out. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I sometimes, depending on the state of my mind, if there's a lot of things on my mind, if I'm super tired, stressed, whatever, I will sometimes read the same friggin' sentence like three times and still not know what I just read. Mm-hmm. But somebody could either speak it to me or I could let, you know what I mean? It just is, if I hear it, see it, feel it type thing, I'm way better than if I'm reading it off of a page. For the most part. Um, and then, you know, there's those other times where 
if I don't have a lot of distractions or whatever, I could, I could sit down and read forever. But that was one thing that took me a really long time to figure out. And at times kind of made me feel stupid. So I was like, I, I mean, I just read that paragraph for the third time and I couldn't tell you what I just read. <laughs> so, um, hopefully again, that makes some students feel a little better because I'm, I am where I'm at. I did. Okay. <laughs> just need to figure, figure it out. That's all. I did. So if you need to lay under tables and, you know, pass out once in a while, then that's what you need to do. I can definitely sympathize <laughs> with that because Mike and I have been, we've been like shooting books back and forth to each other, like what to read. Mm-hmm. And he is so much better at reading than I am. And I, I like to uh-huh. call that phenomenon like literary inertia. Um, because, ooh, ooh, speaking of nuggets. Uh-huh. So for me, <laughs> probably similar to you, Steph, I find that like I can open a book and read like four sentences and then I just like my brain goes to, you know, who killed Abraham Lincoln? And I just start looking on Wikipedia <laughs> articles about John Wilkes Booth. <laughs> Um, oh, if my computer's around and I don't understand something, it's so bad. I will, yeah. And so it's, <laughs> I hear you. it's just like this impassable thing where, like, if I can get past like a couple pages and get into it, then boom, I'll read for like two hours. But if I can't yeah. do that, it's that whole like an object in motion stays in motion, an object at rest stays at rest. And it's like that with my brain too. Like, if I can get rolling and focus on something, like, I can crush it. Mm-hmm. But it, I, yeah. I just can't. And it's like that with work stuff too. If I got to take notes home, like today, I have a whole bunch of notes I got to do. Oh, I notes. I can't get rolling, <laughs> so it makes it, yeah. it makes it challenging. Note inertia is very large, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I totally agree. Yeah, who thought physics was going to come back to play in the world of PT? Oh my god, <laughs> physics puns all the time at work. It's terrible. <laughs> Super nerds. I love it. Anyway, now I don't know where we were. That's all right. That's that's us most of the time, so don't worry about it. Uh, (laughs) This is truth. (laughs) I think that one of the other big things that that, uh, I kind of pulled out from your um, you're just being on a roll and dropping nuggets of knowledge was uh, not not like knowing where you want to be in life and realizing that that's completely okay. Like, you don't have yeah. to know. You don't have to be 26, 27. You don't have to be 32 and know what you want to do. And that mm-hmm. actually, that's kind of hit me a lot more recently. Mm-hmm. I've been reading, or, well, I've been listening to uh, Gary Vee's book, Crushing It, on uh, Audible. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the people in there, like, he shares all these stories about people that, you know, use social media to, like, grow their brand and become, like, you know, these powerhouse influencers and make all this money and have all these like crazy things yeah. happen to them. And a lot of them, like they didn't start till they were like 50 years old. So oh, you don't yeah. have to know, you can figure that out in the meantime. Yeah. I had, um, I think one of the, I'll say this one last thing on it and then I'll shut up. But the, um, a really, really, I don't know if you guys know who Frank Benedetto is, but he owns Provere PT in, in New Jersey, and he actually is someone I was, if I didn't move here, I probably would have worked for him. He's a phenomenal human being. Um, and we, he's somewhat of a mentor for me and Zach, and, and we talk fairly regularly. And he suggested uh, Jocko Willing's book. Um, I think it's Extreme Ownership, or it's, 
I don't know, I ordered it. I haven't read it yet, but he was saying that because I had admitted I was sort of struggling as far as not necessarily knowing my, my own direction with, with PT right now. I know that I want to work on my, my presence with social media, and but also keep it authentic. Like I'm not trying to just gain followers, things like that. I just want to reach more people as far as some of the things I'm learning about, um, mostly with ACL, but you know, just in general, kind of, kind of share motivation and knowledge. And I just, after doing the pain science series that I did with my student, I kind of was, had this like weird week of kind of feeling not purposeless, but just when you're not working on something or working towards something, you feel sort of lost or like less, I don't know, less of a, um, of a purpose, I guess, in a, in a small, smaller sense. Like I knew I wasn't a purposeless being, but, um, and he was saying that a lot of times or anything that he's read from some of those super successful people is literally, it builds on the small stuff. So every day, what is one important thing? If that one important thing is having just a really good treatment day or not going home with notes, or if it's, only having one cup of coffee versus two, like that's, you know, you start with that. And then when you can complete the promises that you make to yourself, which I think is also an Ed Milet thing too, um, you know, that kind of stuff, then it snowballs. And then if you do, if you consistently keep promises, the like daily promises that you keep to yourself over however many years, then it just, those promises become bigger and you just, I think, start doing bigger Shit. <laughs> I know that was not very prophetic, but that that hit home with me because sometimes it is. Sometimes you don't necessarily have to have such this important thing to do or whatever. And and I I am bad sometimes at comparing myself to other people, especially being with someone like Zach. He's got so much stuff going on, and you know people reaching out and people wanting to do this and that. And my coworker Danielle is a a performance coach, and she has clients, and it's all. They're doing great stuff, and I'm super happy for them. And then sometimes I find myself, I stop for a second, and I'm like, well, I, I'm going to do stuff too. <laughs> you know, like it's um, – so I think that as long as your, your message and intent is genuine, that even just taking some time to focus on the little things and get that one little thing done for the day is, is huge. At least it has been for me. So I'm 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 excited to read that book because I think that that will help me a now lot too. It's, yeah. No, that, that actually. Is oh, he the Navy SEAL guy? I th- okay. Yes. Sorry, Mike. Yep. That was all my all I wanted to know. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. He is the great, exact, super inspiring Navy SEAL guy. There's a bunch of them, but he's the one that I know. So. You said it was Jocko Willink. What's his name? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. We're, yeah. We'll make sure we put the um, the link to the book in the show notes for anybody else that's interested. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you just you just reminded me when you're talking about it builds on the small stuff. Um, just made me think back to uh, this this concept of non-zero yes. days. Uh, and so, <laughs> so Ooh, I, I feel like I like that. Well, Steph, you can go uh, back Jake, to podcast you, you number. You're better explaining it. Though. Um, it's we did a we did a whole podcast on it and tried to do a bunch of content in the month of January regarding it. Um, oh shoot, you guys caught no, me. It's, I it's cool. It's one. cool. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> the fact that you're on the podcast with us and actually know our names before going into it is a big deal for us. 
Uh, <laughs> but um, no, this right, was good. like this must have been when I was down in Pensacola last year. So when I was at Exos, where Mike mm-hmm. just came up from, um, I was on Reddit, and I one of the threads that I or subreddits that I subscribe to is like Get Motivated, and they had shared mm-hmm. this post um, called Non Zero Days. And um, you can Google it and find, like, the exact write-up. It's a pretty good read. Mm-hmm. But basically this this guy, he he kind of reaches out on Reddit and says, like, hey, I'm struggling with, like, you know, depression and anxiety. And I don't feel like I'm really doing what I want to do in life. And I don't know where to go. What do I do? And this guy, mm-hmm. he puts out this, like, really, like, long and informative post about – Sorry. <laughs> he puts out this whole this like post about um, how to do like these little things to change, you know, the outcome of your day. Uh, and it's the okay. first one. I'm, tr- I'm I'm gonna have to look up the thing because I forget the order. Um, but there's a couple different concepts. One is that you are no longer just one person; you're three people. So it's your past self, your present self, and your future self. So you oh, have to I keep in mind all of those people this. because when you do something like put all your notes off to appease your present self, you're not really helping future self out, right? Or past self didn't really do you a favor right. in the present when they forgot to do this. And so it's it's all about yeah. kind of like keeping that in mind and then also forgiving yourself. So if you make a mistake, like instead of getting down on it, like just forgive yourself and move forward. So what if Mm -hmm. you forgot to do this one thing and it's kind of a big deal? Figure out how you can fix it and move on from there. Um, And the whole whole thing is predicated on this concept of being non-zero. And that's like if you do one thing, if you read one word, if you write one word, if you do one note, you know, if you Mm -hmm. prep one meal, you're infinitely better than you were had you not done anything. Um, Yeah. And then it also says you should – like exercise every day and read books uh, for personal development. <laughs> and I think those are the big ones. Because, yeah. No, I, I love that. I'm, I'm, I'm actually skimming it right now. It makes There's a whole, like, thread yeah. of people. That's pretty cool. But it's an interesting concept, and I, I think I texted it to Mike. Um, I think Jason and Sam, too, probably, at one point. Um, and they were all just like, oh, this is awesome. And so Mike and myself and one of our buddies from uh, AT School, Gerard, um, we kind of got a little obsessed with it and tried to run it as best we could. Uh, And (laughs) I may not be non-zero all the time, but I definitely use a lot of those concepts in my daily life to just kind of get me motivated to do one thing. That one thing, as Mike likes to tell me, oftentimes breaks that inertia and kind of gets you going. Mhm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just comes full circle. I love it. <laughs> full oval. It's full oval. <laughs> Either way. It's just a really bad inside joke between me and Mike. Well, I mean, it's the Seinfeld like oval teen joke. Like if the mug is round, the jar is round. What? What do they call it? Oval teen. This <laughs> yes. this whole Mike. This is like eight. This is like eight dream levels deep as far as like the. The joke goes. Um, that and then, like, have you ever seen the movie Arrival stuff? 
Okay, you should watch that. No. It'll make your brain expand. Um, but, okay, but just the within that movie, there's a concept of like, like how do you perceive time? And so that kind of kind of goes into it too. Mm-hmm. Oh man, already I can tell that's probably like yeah. a mind blow. Because time is super trippy. Yeah, because there's all these people. That, really there's like depth. different camps of how you perceive time, whether it's like a linear construct where it's just constantly moving in a straight line, or whether it's actually a circle mm-hmm. and you're experiencing everything at the same time at once. So it's like, is that how they would? Ex- it- Oh, so is that how someone would explain something like deja vu? Yes. Yeah. Damn. Because it's because it's happening or has already happened or will happen all at once. It's like a it's like Schrodinger's cat, but with like time <laughs> and a circle instead of a cube. Um, but so Mike and I oftentimes talk about time being an oval mm-hmm. because it's very much like a circle, but it's it's not round. Um, okay. I, I think I yeah. can. <laughs> I think I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, it's it's just a it was yeah, but okay. I just felt the need to explain that because otherwise you just be like, why the hell did he say oval? What's wrong with that? No, I get it. I appreciate um, it. I'm learning so much. <laughs> just just watch Arrival or read the uh, read Watchmen. Okay. Um, by Alan Moore, that's a great read. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so where are we? Let's see. <laughs> I don't know, Mike. I have no idea anymore. <laughs> let's uh, let's let's talk a little bit about pain science. Um, okay. Steph, could you kind of kind of elaborate what is, what is pain science? What is that? Um. That that's tough. Um, the actual kind of concept of pain science itself, I guess. What would be most helpful is probably how I would, I'll explain how I would explain it to a patient because people don't even know that there is a science behind pain. You know what I mean? People think it's a very black and white, like I tore my meniscus, so that's why I have pain there. I Hmm. sit at my desk like this all day, that's why I have pain. And so it doesn't even occur to them that those things, yes, although they might be contributing um, there is no such thing as being able to establish a um, cause and effect relationship of anything with pain, unless you're talking about some sort of serious trauma. So yeah. I sort of preface it a little bit like that and then um, also sort of frame it a little bit more optimistically, especially if you're talking about someone who's had pain for a really long time, because they've probably come to, by the time they get to PT, a lot of times, uh, they have, they've already heard a lot of different stories from different doctors, whether it's chiropractor, acupuncture, massage, ortho, neuro, PCP, emergency room docs. Um, and I don't think any of those people are doing anything intentionally, but this person has gotten quote unquote mixed messages. So now they think that there's all these probably different sources of pain. They're going to have pain for a long time. So if we're talking about that type of situation, pain science itself is really essentially the reason, the biological reasons behind why you might have pain, even though there may or may not be tissue damage at that point. So I sometimes will then say, so 
I want to stop right there and tell you that I am not telling you or trying to have you feel as though I'm saying your pain isn't real. I'm saying your pain is very real. And though, even though your imaging is quote unquote clear, or even though this happened four months ago and the, the areas, you know, the tissues, the issues and tissues are all cleared up. That doesn't mean that you can't still be feeling pain. And here's the reason behind why. And Mm -hmm. then, um, you know, talking about how it's, it's three parts instead of two, it's a, it's an input then processed, then an output is the actual pain. Usually people kind of get that right away. But then if there's anything more than that, as far as somebody who might be, um, having dealt with it for a long time, usually we'll jump into a little bit of, you know, just the way you practice a sport or a skill with a sport and get really, really good at it over, over the course of a couple years, the pain is the same way, you know, that it becomes almost like a skill for your brain and nervous system. It gets really good at it. So any input from that area automatically gets interpreted as pain for the most part. Um, but it's really hard to actually, I guess, define it in the sense of it really is just kind of the, the research and the, the reasoning behind why you can possibly have these sensations without there being, you know, really, for lack of better words, anything in the area that's wrong. So even though that the the tissue is quote unquote, let's say healed or not maybe damaged anymore, you could still experience some kind of pain in that area. Is that what you're kind of saying? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I kind of really like to hop on the, the thought process pretty quickly with them and say that this is, you know, to reassure them that you're still validating what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, how <laughs> how could you not validate, you know, let's say a, a war vet who has all kinds of things going on, they have, a, but they have phantom limb pain. Mm-hmm. You know, that you can't tell that person that they're not in pain, but you also need to be able to explain to them why they can have pain in something that's actually not there. Yeah. yeah. So that's where I think, and that would be the very extreme end of the spectrum, obviously, but being able to explain pain gives you the tools to confidently tell people what could possibly be going on and then actually give them hope as far as working against it. Um, because that's the other, I think that people, even if they're, even if they're on board with it and they're open to it, which sometimes takes a little bit more effort than, than we would like. Um, then the other half of that is like, okay, but now what do I do? Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been four months. It's been four years. It's been 20 years. So they can, they can buy in all they want, but you still, the other half of that is you still need to come up with a game plan because they, they're probably like, great. Okay. But now what? <laughs> so yeah. I think that's really more of the art behind it. Once you get better at explaining it, it's, it's, I think a little bit easier and almost sometimes fun to get by in and see the light bulb go off. But you know, it is, it still can, it still can be daunting regardless, even if you understand it. So, but that, but understanding it is the first step for sure. Yeah. And it's almost like, uh, you know, pain, pain can be kind of scary. Right. And so, Oh, hugely. Yeah. And so if you, you know, don't have an understanding of what exactly is happening with your body, then it kind of, it can be kind of terrifying and kind of frightening, um, when you're experiencing those things and, uh, just as speculating, but maybe you can kind of fill me up. Would that make it kind of worse too? You know, as if you have these like 
thoughts about pain and then you have pain and then you're like, oh man, this is really scary. It can make it worse and kind of make things like exacerbated a little bit. Oh yeah. People's, people's opinions about reactions towards what they think it might be or not knowing what it is, that uncertainty, I think, even for me thinking about it, I think would be a lot more disconcerting than, than, and and that's why I think so many things end up getting blamed Hmm. because people are really searching so hard to figure out what it is Yeah, and kind of understanding how pain works and being okay with not necessarily knowing Mm -hmm. what it is, just knowing that the system is sensitized to stuff in that area. Um, I think that's really hard for people because it's, you know, let's say your your kid's getting bullied at school and you don't know who it is. Maybe she doesn't know who it is, depending on technology these days. Like somebody wants to, you're the parent, you want to find who it is, what it is, so that you can you can end it and have closure. So I kind of see pain similarly. Like you want to figure out what it is so you can go after it. You have strep throat, that sucks, but you'd rather it be strep throat than be the flu. Yeah. Because you can go get antibiotics for strep throat and feel better in two days. Hmm. Um, so that's what I try to do with people, too. I try and use analogies as much as possible because otherwise it's hard. It's, it's, it's pretty abstract to understand for most people. So if you can tie it into something that's equivalent but a little bit more applicable to daily life for most people, then I think that they're like, they're at the very least, most times are kind of like, okay, I, I, I can't understand that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they might not necessarily dive right in right away, um, but it can at least you can. They'll realize that you're you're trying to meet them where they're at, and that's the biggest thing I think that you're you're not trying to force all these opinions on them. You're just trying to kind of you know get them in a little yeah. better mindset and and give them some hope. Yeah. No, I think, I think you hit on a, a really, a couple like really key points here. And, uh, you know, speaking with analogies, um, you know, you're, you're talking with someone, not at them. Um, and right. so you, know, you got, you're having a conversation. Um, and I think that's, that's a, that's a big key point there. You know, I think a lot of times yeah. maybe, maybe in traditional like medical model kind of situations where you said, Oh yeah, you know, you've got, you know, this is messed up in your back and, you know, this ligament's mm. you know, messed up and blah, 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 blah. You know, you're just spewing a bunch yeah. of information at them. And then, you know, the person's like, oh, like you just said, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, this is the causative factor now. You know, like my meniscus is torn. So that's why I have the pain here um, mm-hmm. and all that. And so um, I think that's important. That's that's awesome. You know, just so thank you for sharing that the kind of like insight into how you yeah how you're interacting with your patients and, and what our listeners can do too, if they're having a conversation about pain. All yeah, right, and that's so just something. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that it, um, it, it is, I don't want anyone to think that that's like the first visit and it doesn't like, it's, it's usually <laughs> an ongoing conversation with these types of patients and it's not every patient. So mm-hmm. it's not, um, it's not like, oh, I'm just a master at this and, and at the eval they're on board and, and then we go from there. It's, um, you know, I learn every time, every patient. Yeah. So I've been trying to get my metaphor game up. Uh, <laughs> so I want you, I want you to grade me on this, okay? Well, um, I'm gonna have to ask Zach. Two, Sorry, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> I've got two metaphors that I kind of go to to explain either like sensitivity 
or like I, the other one I stole from Justin Bittner, who was on the show about like postural mm-hmm. posture, like posture and positions and stuff like that. Okay. Um, so a lot of times when I'm trying to explain sensitivity and trying to reframe that, like, Oh my God, it's DDD or stenosis mm-hmm. and just go, you know, that's kind of, that's think of that more or less as like a, like a, what your body looks like, right. That right. doesn't necessitate function or anything like that. Um, but right now your body's just a little bit sensitive to these positions and it's your brain's just trying to figure out how to get back to like homeostasis or like, you know, normal. And so it's yeah. like, if you ran through this building, you flipped all the fire alarms off <laughs> and there's no fire and nobody knows what the hell's going on. Like stuff's going to go crazy. People are going to be running around everything's going to be going haywire. So we got to figure out how to turn all those fire alarm, fire alarms off, kind of calm down that situation. So I kind of use that fire alarm thing a lot with sensitivity. And then the other one I use, again, totally stole this from Justin, uh, was when people come in and they're like, oh, my God, my posture is so bad. Um, You know, it's horrible, this, that. Like, I know I need to do this. And in a a way to try to not to demonize posture and explain it Mm -hmm. like, you know, Certainly, if you're in one position for a long period of time, that can bring on some sensitivity. And so I'm like, you know, if if I bend my finger back, it's totally cool, right? Not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But if I hold it back for like six hours, I'm going to want to punch somebody in the face because it's going to yeah. come. <laughs> so, I'm raising your hand in school. <laughs> so, yes. um, you know, it, it's just it's just something like that. Like posture itself isn't inherently bad, but if you're not moving yeah. around and you're just staying in one place for like four or five, six hours, you're probably going to get a little uncomfortable and your body's trying to tell you to move around a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you actually reminded me of, of one too. And I can't remember, I don't remember who to give credit to for this. Um, so I'm just going to say that I didn't come up with it, but the fire alarm one jogged my memory. It, if you're, if you're cooking and something's like smoking in the oven and the fire alarm goes off, you, you just like press reset or you want to take the battery out cause you know where it's coming from. Like it's not a big deal. It's just annoying to you. Um, but if the fire alarm goes off in the middle of the night and you don't know where it's coming from, you freak out. Like mm. you literally will pop up out of bed and run downstairs or whatever it is. Cause it could actually be a real fire. And sometimes you'll run downstairs and there's no fire or anything. It's just like low battery or, it's malfunctioning. Um, and so uh, sometimes I'll tell people that too. Like it, your nervous system is just like super, super on guard and kind of a little bit, I, I won't even use the word malfunctioning, but I'll say it's just like super, um, like heightened awareness right now. So even if like the temperature goes up a little bit, it'll go off or, you know, there's a lot of other things. We'll talk about the concept of the the cup, like Greg Lehman, like your cup is so overflowing right now that even just a little bit of, of this, or, you know, a little bit more of this, a little less of that, a little more fatigue or whatever. And the cup overflows, the alarm goes off, that kind of thing. So Mm. that, that fire alarm thing was another one that I'd heard too. You reminded me, but it's kind of weird how you end up choosing which ones to use with which people, or sometimes you say something and you're like, Oh, that was kind of, that was kind of good. I think I'm going <laughs> to use that one again. Or, or sometimes patients even say stuff. Like, patients will compare it to something else. And I've even said to patients, like, yeah, dude, exactly. I, I 
I'm probably going to use that if you don't mind. There's, that's happened to me too. Like they, they teach me too. It's crazy. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, another, another, uh, another one that has a lot of great metaphors is, um, well, like, why do I hurt? I think it's by, I think it's Adrian Lau. I think the, it's Adrian's. Yeah. yeah. The book, but then they also have like flashcards to go with it. Yep. And I've definitely used some of those flashcards with some patients just to try and explain some concepts. I haven't used them as much. I think I used them more when I was a student, um, but it's a good reference to kind of just look through and, and find some metaphors. Yeah. There's a lot out there now. We just need to use it better. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think definitely when we start using like plain language and trying to explain stuff right. like that when in a way that people can understand it, instead of just using these like nebulous medical terms that are inherently scary. Yeah. Um, it makes a big difference. Well, yeah, I mean, shit. hashtag words matter, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wasn't there, wasn't there a, a paper from like the, what was it? Like American, I forget what journal it was, some medical journal about like words creating iatrogen, iatrogenetic effects um, yeah, no, there, um, there, there may or may not be more than one similar one like that, you know, similar studies because my, my student actually did her, um, her in-service on pain science and she put up a couple of the charts that were in this study and I can't effectively cite it because she had gotten it from a presentation from school and it wasn't in there, whatever it was. So I don't remember the exact, I can figure it out, but it basically listed which words and or common phrases that were used that instilled fear versus phrases that you could kind of swap out for that were shown to create a little bit more comfort and less anxiety surrounding their symptoms. Um, and I feel super, again, I'll, I'll say this one last thing to plug in. This is actually a positive thing about um, my my residency experience because my mentor and the person who ran the residency at the time um, up in Ithaca, his name's Mike Costello, and I feel so as though everything happens for a reason beginning with this guy because the residency as a whole was kind of biomedical just because it had to be, you know, you have to be accredited and all those sorts of things. But from day one, he sprinkled in pain science concepts to me and he had like a three month waiting list for people to come. And I remember one of the first things he said to me was I, Steph, sometimes people will come in for an eval. I'll sit with them for like over an hour and I actually won't put my hands on them. I will go through like my pain science shtick, like as long as they're willing to hear and they leave in less pain. Awesome. And he's like, and, and I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not making that up. Like I'm not trying to be wooey. You know, he was flat out with me and, and then I've, I've seen him do it. And so I think that as soon as you, like you were saying before, it's a little, when we're talking about somebody who's been in pain for a while and, or is in even acute pain that they're distressed about, just teach them a little bit about how pain works. If you do nothing else that day, they're probably going to leave your office feeling better. And if you can confidently tell them that and comfort them while saying it, have some of those un- intangible skills, mm-hmm. people skills. I don't know. I just, 
I think that we need to spend a lot more time working on those type skills in, instead of say, you know, dare I say mm-hmm. manual skills. Um, but because it just, I don't know. I feel as though it has much bigger. It goes impact. back to um, what we were talking about earlier, how there's the, the physical side of physical therapy and there's the therapist side of physical therapy. <laughs> and maybe we need to mm-hmm. uh, flip flop the uh, percentages for how much emphasis we're putting on each. Right. Yeah. Don't, don't forget the physical part. You know, it's not what we're saying at all. Just, you know, at least, at least put them on mm-hmm. an equal playing field. I think. I'd agree with that. <laughs> Rant over. <laughs> I think, I think it's just like realizing that, um, we have to deal with the human brain more times than when we're like treating concussions. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. we're still, it's still physical. Like the brain is part of your body. But just mm-hmm. recognizing that, like, you know, a lot of a lot of what we have to do is like dealing with brains, like, like a, yeah, like Frankenstein. Yeah, there's just so there's so much more that goes into it than yeah. But yeah, that's uh, that's definitely a rabbit <laughs> that's hole. That's a good one. <laughs> um, Let's let's continue to kind of roll down this way though. So you know we we uh, we understand that okay. like words do matter and and we've kind of talked about that a little bit. Um, you know on on Instagram you've been you've been posting a lot of like really amazing case studies uh, regarding like pain science and how words matter. Uh, would you mind sharing for our listeners like one or two of your experiences in this realm for? Um, yeah, I actually she ended up sort of being um, she ended up seeing. Zach and Danielle, my, my other coworker, a little bit more so than me just because our schedules are different. Um, but one that really sticks out to me was a patient that we quote unquote <laughs> shared in the, in the beginning of last year over the course of like, you know, June into the winter time. Um, and I hadn't been working there for very long. Um, and this, this woman came in and she had had her second spinal surgery and I, she definitely wasn't 35 yet. Um, she was in grad school. Um, definitely. And she was working in grad school, working at at least part-time in some sort of behavioral health, uh, classroom setting. So she was having to deal with very difficult children and, um, she had a, she had a lot going on in general that kind of sort of unfolded as as the sessions went along. But her initial visit, I'll never forget. My first reaction was like, "Well, this lady." I walked out of the eval room, and Zach and Danielle were standing there, and I said, "This lady, she really <laughs> don't want to be here. She really does. She don't want any part of PT." Um, so. I ended up spending like a little over the hour with her and it was one of the first times that I closed my laptop. I put it on the counter and I was like, I don't know where, what prompted me to do it. I I have no idea. I do it a lot more often now, to be honest. Um, and I kind of pulled my stool closer to her and we literally talked and she was telling me how, you know, I know what I need to do. I really need to get back to working out. Like she had a terrible PT experience after the last um, surgery. And so she basically flat out said, I'm kind of here just because my doctor told me to be here. Um, I know it's going to probably just, you know, I'm just going to have to live with this type of stuff. I didn't say much for a while. Like she kind of, 
sort of was just on like a mad rant. Um, clearly needed to do it though. You know what I mean? So I, it was one of the first real conversations I had and I was like, all right, will you, you know, hear me out. <laughs> I was almost like trying to, I felt like almost like I was trying to sell her type thing. I was like, we're going to go through some stuff today. I want to make sure there's no red flags. That's going to be, you know, day one. I want to make sure that I don't have to refer you somewhere else right now based on any symptoms or whatever, everything checked out. I was like, after that, to be honest, my only, my biggest drive is to, to figure out how we can get you back to doing what you want to do. Spinal surgery doesn't mean that you can't lift. It doesn't mean that you can't ski. It doesn't mean whatever. She wasn't trying to do anything crazy. Um, and I was like, and I pretty much, I'm paraphrasing, but I pretty much asked her to give me a shot. (laughs) And I didn't even say too much pain science stuff or whatever, but that we definitely between Zach and I and, and Danielle, we all sort of sprinkled some of that stuff in, um, over the course of her treatment. But she then fast forward like six months later, brought in a um, a Christmas card that she had, a picture of herself before surgery, like kind of sad, miserable looking. Um, after surgery, I think she was making like snow angels. And then in the third picture of her with like the crew, like Aww. us, like smiling or whatever, she actually made a Christmas card and was just like, and brought it to us in person <laughs> and it's still on the fridge. And um, yeah, I, like... That's that's my intentional warm and fuzzy right there. Um, and that was really, to be honest, not even diving too heavy into pain science. That was the, you know, yes, we did explain what pain was and how it worked and how it doesn't necessarily mean that she should or shouldn't have had surgery. It's after the fact. There's nothing we can do. I think she was bitter about even having it in the first place. Um, so I think her getting over that and realizing what pain was and that it's not super threatening. You know, she had flare-ups here and there, and we never made a big deal of any of her mm-hmm. flare-ups, and I think that was huge too. Um, and then she gives a Christmas <laughs> card and makes us cry. And, <laughs> um, and again, that's that's the that's an end of the spectrum. Um, there's there's some sprinkled all along it, and there's some that you don't yeah. reach, unfortunately. Uh, but that's you know you're not gonna you're not gonna win them all. But man, right in the feels. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and it's yeah that I don't know if we're ever taking down that Christmas. That's just an awesome story. You know, it just goes to show you what um, taking the time to just actively listen to somebody and and just like be with them uh, can do. You know. Yeah. Steph, Steph, you just punched me in my emotional (laughs) jejunum. (laughs) And I want you to know know Um, that I've never emotionally vomited before, but I think I might do it today. Yes. At least I I did it first. There we go. No, it's, it's great. I wish, I wish, um, you know, she's, she's not the only one like that. And that in itself, to be entirely honest, and I, you guys are going to, experience more of this as you go, but that's, that's my why that's, and I think it's a lot of other PT whys. like, that's why we do what we do because you'll kind of forget about stuff and you'll go through your day to day. You don't feel super important. And then somebody will walk through the door or somebody will write a Google review or somebody will send you guys a card. Um, or they'll reach out to you on like Facebook or something, or they'll shoot you an email and just be like, I want to let you know, I haven't had pain in so long, or, you know, I'm still dealing with this stuff, but I'm lifting and I'm doing whatever I want. Like, 
that's why. And, and you'll, you'll get reminded once yeah. in a while. And, and that's huge. Sorry. I'm still in the afterglow of that. Like, <laughs> Oh, the feels right there. <laughs> yeah. It's a good one. I, I carry well, I think that that's one important to what you just mentioned to, to make sure that you have an understanding of your why. Um, because you're right, you know, like going through the day to day, there's going to be some times where, like you said, you don't feel important or you're kind of just grinding, but it's those times where, you know, you remember that you were able to mm-hmm. help somebody or you were able to make a difference in somebody's life and, or whatever your why is, you know, um, to be reminded of that. So it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Non-zero club. Hey. <laughs> Okay. So, so we know that the words matter, obviously, um, that we can have a profound impact on, on patients' life. Um, and, and ours too, they can have an impact on us as well. Um, for anybody that's out there listening, that's interested in, and just in pain science in general, or, or any of the resources, you know, like what, what would you recommend people to kind of, um, kind of turn their attention to, um, for any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think basics, um, or we actually give out regularly the uh, YouTube TED Talk that Lorimer Mosley does. Oh, yeah. Um, if you just, I'll tell, yeah, like, it's it's 20 minutes. It's funny. It's, like, cool to watch. Um, and it's actually one of the most insightful things about pain I've ever seen. Um, and you literally can, it's, again, free. Um, so I usually tell people, either I'll email them the link if it's someone who's not super savvy with it or... I'll just say Google or YouTube, Lerma Mosley, explain pain or whatever it is. And it's, you know, I'll tell them to click the 24 minute one and that's the one you want to watch. Um, anything by, by Adrian Lowe, um, David Butler, anything they put out. The biggest thing too, that I actually haven't worked all the way through yet. I'll admit that, um, is Greg Lehman has his own website and it's a free, uh, a free entire book, I think, um, on, pain science and a, and a workbook. Um, and we've had a couple awesome. patients go through okay. that as well. You said that one was by Greg Lehman or Lehman. Okay. All right, cool. Yes. That in the show notes yep. for anybody that's interested. All right. He's the reconciling uh, biomechanics with pain science guy. Yes, biomechanics with pain science. Okay. Yep. Ooh. I'm taking his course in October. Let me know how that is because I I'd, I'd like to take it. I know Derek Miles had recommended that one to me. Um, uh, yeah, Zach might actually be taking it again for free because he wants to take it. Because <laughs> he already, he's like, when, where did you take it? New York. He's again in New York and reached out to Greg and was like, uh, can I come again? <laughs> so that's why I'm excited because I think that it's probably... There's probably going to be a lot of stuff that I, that I can use or mm-hmm. that we're already using that I can fine That's tune awesome. for sure. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, we got a little bit of time left. Uh, why don't we talk about um, some of the things that you've been passionate about as well? You know, uh, we understand you've been nerding out a lot about ACL injuries and the hormonal impact of joint laxity. So, could you kind of elaborate on that and give us some information about yes. it? Yes. Yeah, I am. Um, I spoke with Jay DeMeo of uh, Central Virginia Sports and uh, I forget exactly what that whole name is. Not too long ago, I was on a podcast with him and we, he actually sort of uh, 
I had been looking into it, but then he sparked my interest about asked me about it. And the biggest thing right now is um, I'm trying to look into the influences of different hormones during the menstrual cycle on ligament laxity. Because the biggest thing really is I'm just getting frustrated with not just how much more common or at higher risk females are both with injury and re-injury, but that it's not changing at all, even though we have all these um, these injury prevention programs and yeah. Yeah. seemingly a ton of awareness, to be honest. Um, we, we know so much about it, so why isn't anything changing? Um, so over the last probably month, I've, I've been diving into that, and um, the biggest thing that they found was that during kind of like the 10 to 14 week part of the um, 30 day cycle when there's a little bit more estradiol, which basically is just one of the forms of estrogen. When the ligament is exposed to that, um, it seems to be that that's more the time that it's more vulnerable. And so I know that seems kind of just abstract. So I'll explain a little bit that the way that it can actually change how lax the ligament is, because that was something I didn't necessarily believe either. But what I learned through diving down this hole a little bit is that there's actually hormone receptors on the ACL and other ligaments, of course, but that kind of was like a mind blow to me. I was like, wait a second. Why? So somewhere along the line, there must've been an advantage. And then obviously when you think about things Mm -hmm. like childbirth, Mm -hmm. you know, sacral ligaments probably need to attach to hormones so that you can actually bear a child. So it all makes sense. But to me, and I'm not obviously claiming to be the first one to bring this up because there's papers on it, but I'm like, why is this not more, why aren't we talking about this a little bit more? So then I'm reading further and whatnot. And, um, you know, they, they've done both the whole Petri dish thing slash just kind of monitoring, monitoring girls, you know, during different times of the month. And, Obviously, there's a lot of disparity, and there's everybody has different estrogen levels, which makes any scientific study really, really hard. Um, but the biggest thing for me, I, I just wrote a, a blog for Chris Butler. Um, I actually don't, I don't know when that's going to be out, but the the thing that I sort of wrote out to help me explain it was that if you think of this as an equation or like you know something that could result in this, in this higher injury risk, you have, um, increased ligament laxity with the influence of hormones, which is then going to decrease its tensile strength. Cause that's what they were looking at in the studies. And basically for hmm. anyone who might not understand that, it's just basically the resistance to pull. So the, the resistance for the ACL to, or the tolerance for the ACL to resist pull, um, is now decreased. So you have the bio part, which is the decreased or increased laxity and decreased tolerance for loading from the hormones. Then you add in um, the game type speed and forces that happen with things like cutting and jumping and landing. Then you add in things like the fatigue, decreased strength, and poor mechanics that girls are have been shown to have more so than the male counterparts. Um, and that 
all those things put together is, is going to result in the tissue failure. So I know that kind of was long-winded, but basically decreased tolerance, increased laxity, increased force with, with cutting and jumping and landing, um, plus fatigue in game time situations, you don't even need contact. You know, if you, if you, if yeah. you load it the right way under all those conditions, the tissue's going to fail. Not always, but I'm just saying, I feel like that's, you know, perhaps that's the perfect storm that, that seems to be what is making this so common and making it so that things aren't improving, even though we are working on neuromuscular control and strength. Because if that were the case, if that were the whole story, then there wouldn't still be the disparity. Um, so that's what I'm hoping to kind of dig up a little bit. Um, and I don't know what as far I don't know what the answer or the antidote is at this point. Um, some of the studies were even subge- suggesting like really um, birth control <laughs> to to combat it. Hmm. Yeah, um, as as far as protective yeah. effects. Um, but again, then you yeah. run into the ethical things of giving 10 to 12 year olds birth control. Um, so, you know, that's probably not going to be my suggested, uh, <laughs> thing to combat it. But, um, but yeah, so ACLs friggin' have hormone receptors and it seems to, you know, decreased tolerance for loading seems to correlate with those fluctuations in, in hormone levels. So you know, my stance on it is why, why not make reporting last menstrual cycle and monitoring that and monitoring fatigue, why not make that part of an onboarding process in your athlete? Like, let's say you're a coach, for instance, you know, not make that so taboo to talk about, just make that part of your onboarding and your intake. Um, and so, you know, hope, I'm hoping that maybe I have a chance to um, in the future work with a team and maybe do sort of my own little study, if you will, and, or try and implement something to, to combat it. But that's the, that's the part I don't have a clear picture of just yet. Yeah. I, I was like sitting at my computer when I was first reading this and I was like, (laughs) kind of glad that there was no one around me, but also kind of wished that Zach or somebody was around me because I was like, dude, this is it. This is what's missing. You know, like we need to figure this out. Um, but it's just crazy. I have a patient right now and four girls on her team tore her ACL, tore their ACL. And I'm just, I'm just like, gee, and this girl is a, um, you guys might've even seen, she's been on my story a lot cause she's freaking killing it, but she's a D one commit. And she, she tore her ACL and had a, when I was taking her subjective, she was saying that there was another time that she quote unquote tweaked her knee about two or three months before the actual injury. Hmm. Both times she had a period. So I don't know if it's just that people are, you know, maybe people have known yeah. this for a while, but they're just not comfortable talking about it, but I don't care. <laughs> and maybe, maybe yeah. like, yeah. Okay. Some people are like, Oh, you have an advantage to talk to athletes about this. Cause you're a girl. I'm like, yeah, maybe. But at the same time, if, a girl's strength coach, if you're a strength coach and you're working with a team and you're a guy, if that's something that you, if you 
approach it the right way and you're you give the evidence behind it and you clearly have their best interest at heart <laughs> that's not it's not creepy it's not <laughs> it's not a wrong thing like you are trying to reduce risk I, I don't like injury prevention i don't love that name because you can't really i can never guarantee you or anyone else that we're gonna you know prevent you from from tearing your acl or hurting yourself in some way shape or form like if it's going to happen if it's going to happen but yeah. i do hundred percent believe that there are things that we can do to reduce your risk and to not do those things. That's <laughs> where the steam starts to come out of my ears a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I don't get fired up as easily as that, but um, this is one of the things that does. Yes. It's interesting because like me being coming from a powerlifting background and being around a <clears throat> hormone culture, if you will, <laughs> Um, That's a very nice way to put it. <laughs> I myself like because I, I have a pacemaker and like cardiac conditions. Like I don't I don't take any anything, but mm-hmm. I know a lot of people that do, and right. I, you know the access is there. But if something like this were be, to yeah. become more of like a mainstream issue, do you think that we would see like a rise in people taking like growth or tests or stuff like that as a way to combat ACL tears? Oh God, I would hope not. Um, however. Actually, now that I think about it, it's under, you know, medical, I don't know if I even want to say this because I'm not condoning anything like that, but, you know, if that ends up long-term being something that can, that can help to reverse that, then, or at least during the time, then yes. But the bigger question, or I guess the the ethical dilemma here is, you know, this is a, this is a natural body process that happens. And if we're talking about pre-adolescence and adolescence, if we're screwing around with hormone levels, you know what I mean? That's a really fine line, I think, to, to tiptoe around. Um, you know, maybe in the adult population, those types of things could eventually be like, I guess, mm-hmm. dosed appropriately if they do find a protective effect or correlation. Um, but I would, I guess, because most of the research I've been doing has been on younger, like youth athletes, um, that that would be, that would be hard for me to realistically say, yeah, I could see that happening or yeah, it should happen or shouldn't happen. Um, <laughs> so I know that's not really an answer for you. <laughs> I just... I could definitely see. I, I see where you're coming from and too. Then, um, I'm just, I'm tr- being very hopeful and, and maybe a little naive that we can find a different answer. No, I completely <laughs> agree with you. It's just, I mean, coming from that background, like that's what a lot of people would just take that as, like, oh, I need to, I just need to take more, more stuff. Um, regardless yeah. of male, male or yeah, female. everybody wants an easy fix. Um, but then also yeah. kind of, I guess, an aside off that is. You know, if if that's the case, do you think we would see more people using BFR in an effort to get like a hormonal like growth spike um, or something like that? That would be a phenomenal avenue to study, I think, because technically, even though they don't fully understand all the mechanisms behind how BFR works, they know that it creates that semi-systemic environment in the limb that mimics heavy strength training. So if part of that, and, and you might actually know more about it than I do, I'm, I'm still 
dabbling in the science behind it as well. But if, if that, if that, you know, like the growth hormone that you're talking about seems to be expressed more with it, that, that would be, it, it would hmm. be, you might've sparked I, something I think it'd there. be interesting because, um, <laughs> I mean, we use it I've a lot. Seen, I, I've just recently started using it um, within the past month. But um, I remember seeing an article that Derek Miles posted a while back that talked about how they noticed um, with hypertrophy, like heavy strength training, um, that the ACL ligament would actually hypertrophy as well as the surrounding, like, you know, muscular tissue. And so mm-hmm. I feel like there may be there may be something there where, you know, I don't I don't know – I, I mean, you'd have to set up like a bunch of crazy studies that would be super cool to do, but right. you know, I think that might be an interesting avenue to, to look down as far as we know that yeah. if we find incidental incidental ACL thickening or hypertrophy with strength training, we know there's a hormonal link. Right. We know that BFR, as far as we know right now, has some sort of effect on systemic growth levels. Maybe, maybe yeah. that's a thing. It'd be interesting. Shit. Yeah, no, I mean, that it actually fits in with, um, you know, a shameless plug. I'll have, I'll, I'll have you refer to the blog when it comes out too, because I love it, it, what part of what you just said is in line with what I report on or what I write about, because it talks about not only the laxity of the ligament itself, but the surrounding soft tissues, they found effect with that too. So if you're talking about an overall stable knee joint, trying to handle all those loads, um, then you add in not just the ligament itself, but the surrounding tissues being somewhat lax and or fatigued, like <laughs> control of that joint is no bueno. <laughs> yeah. So that would be... I'm gonna now we're gonna make a PubMed search as soon as this is over. I'm supposed to be meal prepping after this, guys. <laughs> you are totally well. Uh, no, that's no, but that's I mean, that's why I want to do things like these because even if it's rabbit holes, maybe maybe going down these rabbit holes is what's gonna actually, yeah. on a bigger scale, have and when, whenever have that article find some um, of these big comes answers, posted, you know? let us know. We'll put it on blast too. Completely so agree. We kind of help it. Yeah. Uh-huh. No problem. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Now, Mike, Mike, I, I know we're coming up to the end of the show, but I just got this message in here recently, and it, it seems that, Steph, I don't, I don't know how familiar you are with this. I know that we haven't officially released the, the like, live versions <laughs> of these particular things that I'm about to talk about in a couple seconds, um, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have been nominated and accepted for um, the title of honorary movement doc. Really? And so we would like to j- let you join the fold. And with that will come some sort of special award and possibly Mike and I maybe delivering it in person at some point in the future. <laughs> um, oh, speaking of warm and fuzzy, what are you guys doing? <laughs> Wow. Uh, you're just a general badass and we like you, so we want to recognize <laughs> you for uh, not only like just being a cool down-to-earth person and like interacting with us on like IG and stuff like that, but also producing a lot of great content um, and just being yourself Thank and being you. true to you and doing some cool stuff. So uh, we would well, like I appreciate to that because that's the goal. So. <laughs> 
So uh, you are now you are now among an elite list of uh, of movement docs. Um, actually, I can't include, wait to tell my dad. <laughs> uh, it actually includes. I think it includes Zach. Zach's one of them, um, and so is uh, Dr. Cameron Marshall. So, oh, Cam's great. Yeah. So you guys got a little elite group there. I don't know if it's going to be like the Masters where everyone gets like a special jacket or <laughs> like that, but. Uh, well, as long as I don't have to, you know, wear like yeah, like you said, like a weird jacket or sing any weird songs or anything, then I'm then I'm good. <laughs> I will I will just you know support the crap out of you guys and and maybe give you some shit once in a while. <laughs> hey, we all need it, right? Absolutely. Um, all right, so Mike, it's that time of our podcast. Please take it away. Yes. And so, Steph, we really appreciate you taking the time to come on our show. There's uh, one question that we ask everybody at the end of our show. Uh, so, you know, we here at the Movement Docs, we believe in always moving forward in all that you do. Uh, based on all of your previous experience and knowledge and life, love, the pursuit of happiness, what is one piece of advice that you'd give to anyone listening to the show to help them be the best versions of themselves? Oof. I do know you guys asked that. I probably should have better prepared. Um, no, you know what? Actually, I'll, I'll use something that I was probably going to talk about earlier anyway. Um, I'm not so great at this, but only great things have come from um, me reflecting more. Even on a small scale, if it's a, if it's a weekly, if it's a monthly, if it's a yearly thing, um, reflect on where you were, how far you've come, the potential you have as far as where you can go, um, you know, give give yourself credit. And, but I think what reflection also does and has done for me is it gives you a little bit more clear, a, a clearer picture, um, of who you are and where you do want to go and sets you up, I think, better to reach whatever goals you have. Um, but biggest, I think it makes you slow down and we are so, there's a, we just, we try to do so many things, um, especially in our profession, I think, and being able to, to, for lack of better words, stop and smell the roses, I think is, is huge. Um, so yeah, I think, I think in general reflect more would be, would be my biggest piece of advice, but I also wanted to somehow plug in there that, um, I don't care how old you are, you need some sort of mentor. Informal, mm-hmm. formal. Don't be afraid to reach out to people, uh, men, women, student, professional. It, it doesn't matter. Um, I think that I definitely was in the school of thought of both being a female and being a student um, in earlier years. It prevented me from doing a lot of things that I wished I had done earlier, mm-hmm. even on the smallest scale of reaching out to ask advice or whatever. So. Um, Reflect on yourself and find somebody who's going to help you, help guide you to get where you want to be because nobody ever did anything great by themselves. Hmm. Ah, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, Steph, that, that actually reminds me of a quote from uh, one of my favorite movies. Um, oh, uh, Bruce Almighty. I'm sure you've all seen it. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, in this situation, it's, well, it's probably true, but maybe a little bit different for the dynamics of you and Zach, but um, in, in the end of the movie or some point in the movie, Jim Carrey says that behind every great man is a woman rolling her eyes. 
And... <laughs> oh my god, it's actually the truest. For, for some reason, your your like warm and fuzzy, like just like killing it end note just reminded me of that and um, how I imagine you and Zach interact on a daily basis. So I just wanted to put that out there. Shout out to you. You would you would be pretty damn accurate um i mean we we respect each other so much and we knew each other for almost five years before anything happened so our, our situation is a little bit unorthodox um and i think made the transition super easy but because we've known each other for so long there's tons of those things that are like he'll do something or say something and i'm just like really <laughs> um but that's that's pretty awesome. I can't wait to tell him that one. Or actually, I'm not going to tell him. I'm just going to make him listen to this, and then be like, "No, baby, I actually have to listen all the way to the end." <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much, guys. This was I had so much fun. Oh, we did too. We can't thank you enough for taking the time to be on our show. Uh, if anybody's listening to this wants to get in contact with you, what's the best way that they can do that? Um, I think probably, although I am working on being on Facebook a little bit more, mostly Instagram, um, stephallen.dpt. I'm going to be trying to be a little bit more consistent on there, both, you know, with some, some clinical stuff and, and just sort of self-development, um, inspirational stuff. Um, I am Steph Allen on Facebook and there's no way that I could ever figure out or handle Twitter. So that's not going to happen. Um, but yeah, also if, if you, if you are on Instagram a lot as well, our Boston PT and wellness page is ramping it up a little bit. So we would also love you guys to check that one out as well. We're, we're coming up with a more regular community, um, education night series and, and very likely and hopefully expanding within, within the year. So, um, both Boston PT and wellness and Steph Allen DPT are hopefully, starting to ramp up a little bit nice nice perfect well, that's great well thanks again for tuning in this week where we spoke with dr steph allen ptdptocs if you have any questions comments concerns or have a topic that you'd like us to discuss shoot us an email at tmdmovementdocs at gmail.com thanks and we'll see you next week thanks guys bye <laughs>